This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Hello, London is Blue listeners. This is Editor Jake. Just very quickly giving a preface to this episode. There's some weird audio quirks in this one with Brandon's audio. We're not really sure what happened, but for some reason he chops up a lot. So bear with them. We know it's there. We couldn't do much about it. You'll still be able to understand what he's trying to say. Just a heads up. Enjoy the episode. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue Podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, join my co-host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we've got a pod review for the Brentford match. Definitely not what we wanted going into uh, Halloween weekend. But boy, oh boy, Nick, the early morning kickoff um, really not rewarding us whatsoever. No, obviously feel for all of our friends around the United States and the world who had either e- even earlier kickoffs than I did uh, in the Midwest at 6.30 in the morning. But there's really just nothing like, you know, 8.30 rolling around, your team loses in kind of embarrassing fashion, and the uh, the rest of the day is kind of ruined, you know? so I mean, there was a lot of time to recover is the only thing I'd say. I, did take a, like- I took a sad nap right after from like 8.30 to 10.30, just a, a real sad nap. So, you know. That's what it is. Yeah, I could see it. Different different strategies uh, to having to deal with it. Uh, Dan, we've got a lot to to obviously break down with this one. Um, we'll talk about you know the offense struggling. We'll talk about um, kind of the the continuation of changes that are being forced and sometimes chosen upon the squad. But uh, we would be doing a disservice if we didn't kick off this episode like we always do with the three word match review, so we can get a sense of how the lovely listeners and the people out there are feeling after this one. What did they say? Plenty of summary from play, uh, people like Derek with the mid-table truce. Yeah, Jason with the Chelsea completely collapse. Jay with the champions of expectation. Nitten with the low block losers. Preston was stunned by bees. Pablo with the embarrassment of London. Janique with the painful growing pains. And then Sashit with... Weekend got ruined, which is what Nick alluded to a little bit ago. Though, Nick, I do think the listeners need to know that you did do a little bit of Ted Lasso-inspired Halloween costuming. I did. Of course I did. That's um, how you recovered the weekend. If you're watching on YouTube, the mustache is is back. And, and frankly, for as many times as I've trimmed this thing into a mustache, this is one of my finer trims. It is, uh, it's a pretty exquisite stash right now, so... I did go as Ted Lasso, obviously, for, for Halloween. Probably about the last year I can get away with it now that the show's over. But uh, still uh, still a good costume. And, uh, yeah, you know, happy Halloween to everyone who celebrates uh, such an occasion. Well, there was a lot to go in this one. I think, uh, you know, Nick, from, from your perspective, uh, Mario, if you need something next year, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Hey, fuck you, man. Okay. Coming, I'm coming with, you know, support in this. Uh, I, was, I was thinking of Ron Swanson next year, maybe, or something like that. We'll see. Just walk around with brisket. Yeah. <laughs> Bacon, I guess. Uh, I went trick or this is stupid, all in one word, uh, because there were no treats involved whatsoever this weekend when it came to Chelsea. Uh, Dan, what about you? Frankly, uninspired performance. Thomas, frankly, uninspired. Sure, was it Frank? Thomas Frank? It could be Frank, yes. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh, homage to my preseason predictions. Frustrating, not fun. Yeah, maybe some point you'll get over that. But uh, as we stand, nope. not looking likely. Uh, just a reminder, everybody out there, if you haven't, go sub on YouTube, Road to 30K. Uh, also, five-star reviews, they go a long ways, even though we're kicking the crap out of a lot of bigger shows than us. Uh, if you're new-ish to the show and you haven't left a five-star review, that goes a long ways. Tell us what you like about it. And then, obviously, if you want to get involved uh, for a little bit of Money Month, you can join our Discord. Uh, I've been in there the last few match weeks, and um, it was fun. Uh a lot of Ben White jokes at his expense last weekend, which actually was hilarious. So um, that that was really good. But we should dive in to this one because it was Brentford this past Saturday, the 28th of October in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. Casey missed it. Chelsea nil. Brentford two goals from the 58th minute and Pinnock. Uh, and Bumo getting the 90th plus six assist to Mape, who I tried to put a tenor down of getting sent off after getting his caution on the sideline as a sub. He's quite petty, unfortunately. So I was just happy he didn't get the goal <laughs> because I am equally as petty. He is a shithouse moment of the match, like incarnate. Like that—that yeah. that is who he is as a player. But not yeah. like a fun or an effective one, just like an annoying one. Well, fun for his team. 
Just not for fun for opposition teams. He added no value by nicking the ball away and picking up a caution as us warming up on the sideline. And he did saying. that. He did that French facial expression that only the French can do. Where he's like, "What me? What? Come on, me." Got to go to YouTube for that, as we all did it. <laughs> the, the, the Italians can't pull it off. The Germans can't pull it off. Americans certainly can't pull it off. It's. It is simply a French thing, and uh, you know what? He exudes it. Exudes it. It's a good one for you. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and run it back. Uh, we're throwing it over to the the fifth stand-up, the only official app from Chelsea FC. Thank you for letting us use the highlights. If you haven't downloaded, go download and know, and we'll be right back. Here's Madueke. Chance for him to have a run here. He's going to try and bend one as well. Oh, and he smacked the angle of post and bar. Well, we're right behind that. It's a gorgeous effort from Noni, Noni Madueke. Nice lead from Gallagher, got it back again. I think about a shot here, Connor Gallagher, spilled by Flecken. He'll say saved by Flecken, but he pushed it back into a dangerous area. Chelsea starting to test the Brentford back line now. Yeah, tricky for Flecken, just bounced in front of him. Maybe want to see Raheem Sterling just on his front foot there. Not playing together either, they're playing quite wide. Ooh, Palmer, that's lovely for Mark Kukurea of all people. Sterling was behind him, but Kukurea was in the perfect position to take the shot. He tried to guide it. And they just hit it straight at Flacken. Lovely ball from Palmer. Yeah, it's a terrific ball. Second of this type already in the game. And just a lack of conviction, isn't it? Going with his, his weaker right foot, Kukurea. I think if that's a forward player, that's cushioned into either corner. Probably just so concentrated on getting some contact. Doesn't steer it towards either corner. Sterling found a pocket of space. Easily stepped away from a couple of challenges. This might break for Madueke. Palmer. Oh, brilliant. Sterling! Big opportunity. The Brentford player sliding in. Nathan Collins just did enough to put him off, I think. But Cole Palmer is running the show at the moment. Burmo standing one up deep to the back post. And he's headed in from nothing. Brentford take the lead. Ethan Pinnock all alone to nod in and Chelsea trail. Can Robert Sanchez pinch an equaliser? Over his head. Oh, and now he's out of his goal. And Neil Mopé, who hasn't scored in ages, is surely going to end his barren run now. He's passed it on instead to Umbermo and he's wrapped the game up. And Brentford have won here again. Unbelievable. All right, lineup time. Dan, go for it. See if you can uh, get through this one. No rinse and repeat. Yeah, it was sometimes between the sticks, Robert Lynch Sanchez. It was a back line of Axel Disasi, Thiago Silva, Levi Colwell, and Mark Kukurea with a midfield of Moises Caicedo and Connor Gallagher, a three behind our one Nico Jackson of Raheem Sterling, Cole Palmer, and Matueke getting a very rare start for Chelsea and under Pochettino. Ian Motson and Reese James came in in the 67th minute and the 81st minute. Ugo Chukwu and Presidente himself, Washington, comes in. Beach, Vadishio, Gusto, Matos, and Petrovic all unused subs in this match. I think any time you've got two goalkeepers on the bench, you bad just, news. Yeah, you know something's not in an ideal state, Nick. Like that was the most obvious, like red flag for me when I saw this. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the injuries uh, that have persisted and new ones that pop up all the time. This was clearly. Uh, a very thin squad for the day, certainly not a first choice kind of 11 as we've seen rolled out over the last few weeks that has been really effective, you know, missing Enzo Fernandez, you know, potentially missing Mudrick and, and others has really come around to bite us, uh, you know, new injury to uh, everybody, it seems. But, you know, particularly you look at Broya picking up a little bit of a knock and stuff like that, just not a whole lot of depth in there. And, and I think Naz and, and, and others pointed that out before the game that, you know, there was not a single attacker who was a part of the, the first team uh, sort of atmosphere who was a sub option. You know, we obviously Matson is, you know, kind of a, uh, 
do it all sort uh, of, of player. And he, you know, went up front for a bit, then he went back left back for a little bit. But yeah, no real attacker on there uh, outside of those who started, which is a uh, big problem when you're chasing goals. Yeah, some of the top line stats from this one uh, Chelsea with 2.03 XG. Brentford with 2.16, I think about 0.99 of that came at the at the very end on that two on Robert Sanchez. Uh, we had 69% of possession. We had 17 shots, only two on target. Big talking point coming up there. Uh, Brentford, seven shots, five on target. Way more effective with what they what what little of the ball that they had. We had eight off target, seven blocked shots. Just to compare a little bit. We had one caution to their four. Uh, we had two big chances, all were missed. Uh, Brentford, five big chances, and they missed three of them. Again, we are getting out big chanced uh, by smaller teams, but we had no counterattacks there, three, and as I would say, uh, that was a blessing for them, which is what the exact same thing we tried to do against Arsenal last week, unable to do that this time. Uh, we had three saves to their two. Point, negative 0.62 goals pre pre prevented versus 0.76. So again, just shows uh, very two very, very different days for the goalkeepers uh, back there. But anyways, the last one here, one random stat, at Opta Joe. Three, Brentford are the first side in the Premier League history to win each of their first three games against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in the competition breached. The sad stat making the that Brentford have won more games at Stamford Bridge than Chelsea in the last six, seven months, whatever it is, since April. I think also that Frank had more wins than Lampard and Pochettino at Stanford Ridge this year. I know you hate calendar year stats, Brandon, but that was also like a really terrible one. Yeah, look, a lot of context in there, too, <laughs> I would say. But, uh, Nick, it's it's ugly things to hear about. Yeah, it's, it's not good, man. I, this was certainly not good enough. We'll get into why kind of after the ad break. But it, it's these are games in the grand scheme of a season, you know, Brentford are down in the table. Chelsea are kind of edging their way up, you know, mid table and, and maybe even kind of trending upward, you know, after the Arsenal game. And this was a completely flat, uninspired performance that the good teams, you know, those teams that have points at the top of the table would have easily dispatched. Um, not saying that Brentford are a bad team. We know that they, are challenging. I think one of us picked them as our bogey team uh, at the you know part of the preseason predictions. But this is just a game that if you are of a certain level, that you come out and and comfortably win. And I felt zero confidence heading into this game that we were going to do that, and that's what happened. Yeah. Well, uh, you're not wrong with that. Um, it, it just was kind of like a downhill after pretty much 20 minutes, and, and we've got a lot to break down. So hey. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk about another case of the no-score blues. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hey, quick reminder, Nick, we got way more content than just this. So coming out of the break, just want to give everyone a friendly reminder. Stake tied into your feeds. we got another big week of pods. Oh, yeah. In addition to the Blue Royalty episodes that were published during the women's international break, because, of course, international breaks just can't escape them at any level, uh, which I would go check those out on the Blue Royalty feed, uh, we have a big couple of weeks coming up um we obviously will have some you know we're gonna have this on monday we'll have some blue royalty on tuesday we'll have the blackburn review thursday and of course sam and, and dan are gonna be back with the spurs preview on friday for the epic match that happens next monday so actually if you're a proponent of your weekend not getting ruined by Chelsea, you don't have to worry about it next weekend because we don't play. Uh, so how about that? Pray, pray for us. It's going to be pray, great. Pray for that match preview. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes. But look, it, it, this one was another case of the no-score no blues as I you know, teased out uh, ahead of the ad break. And we continue the XG trend, but when will this trend end in terms of actually putting said potential goals in the back of the net? Um... <laughs> First half, we had 10 shots, mustered up 0.98 XG. Only two of them were on target. That kind of goes back to, you know, the, the beginning stats, right? I think we only had two on target all match. And uh, the biggest one of the first half ended up being that Cole Palmer little nice uh, line-breaking pass, Kukurela making the the back post run across the, the center backs. And uh, 
Yeah. What a ball. Just, just couldn't a ball. finish it from there. But, like, Nick, the fact is, from the first half, that was, like, the standout chance. I think there were definitely some others, as you can muster up and see. But, like, it we we probably could have assumed that they were going to defend like hell. They're missing Ivan Tony. They've got some issues on their end. They want to use their height and make it tough to break down. And, and that's exactly what we got from this Brentford side. I mean, we know about this because Dan and, and Sam did a wonderful preview. But, I mean, these guys are one of the better defenses in the Premier League. It's not to say that they can't be scored against because, of course, they can be. Uh, and typically, they are like the the avalanche sort of defense. You score against them once, they have to come out a little bit more. You can score against them again. But unlocking that first uh, goal is really, really difficult because they defend really compactly. They don't leave a whole lot of space in the middle. And so all the kind of floating in and kind of runs through the middle were going nowhere and i you know despite that i thought the first 20 minutes were really really good football from chelsea um you know i thought we were bold we were daring we were playing passes that they weren't expecting you know i thought cole palmer Matawake, and sterling had some really good interchange jackson just got lost in this game didn't do a whole lot unfortunately um couldn't really figure out how to get on the same page with any of those three players and that's unfortunate for a lot of reasons, but the Matawake chance where he hits the corner uh, of the post in a crossbar, you just wonder if that goes in, what happens in this match, because it would have been such a banger. The bridge would have been lifted uh, to a level that, you know, I, I don't know if we would have seen since, you know, maybe the, the Mudrick chance last week against Arsenal. I, you just wonder. It, you know, if, if things go a little bit differently in those sorts of moments, what what really happens? But the Kukurea chance stand for me is the one. Like, you have to be able to put that either side of the goalkeeper. He's standing right in the middle of the goal, and you hit it right at him. And good teams put those chances away. Yeah, I guess you know, as much as I like want to point at Kukurea and be like, hey, like I think there's two problems with that. One. Why does Kukurea have the highest like contribution across two shots in terms of like the total expected goals? Like that's a problem. Um, I, I I don't want to be relying upon the left back to go be the individual to win us the game when you have Jackson, Palmer, Sterling, uh, and Matawake all out there who should be the individuals who are more responsible for. And like you look at their combinations and what they were kind of putting together, like all of the shots for all the shots we have, the shots are not good shots. They're not high quality shots that would lead to or likely lead to a goal. If I could counter that point, I think the reason that they had space is because they were doing a weird mix to me. It looked like, and again, I, you know, if, if someone has a better tactical eye and wants to correct me, please feel free it looked like they were doing a weird mix of kind of like half man marking on the wings and then like kind of zoning the middle a little bit and just kind of passing Jackson through because he was just not making the right run at any point. And when you do that, it leaves opportunities for the players that you don't expect like Kukurea to make those runs kind of uh, uninterrupted. And I think that's the reason why he was able to get forward and get through not only on this occasion, but once in the second half as well. Um, and, you know, again, I agree with you. Kukure is not our striker. We shouldn't rely on him for goals. But when uh, the opposition has some of your other players locked up and Cole Palmer is basically floating the entire width of the field to try and get the ball, I think that's the reason why you saw Kukure able to break through and get forward as much as he did. It was unfortunate that Disasi was playing right back because there was really no threat coming from the other side. And I think it became predictable over time. That's just my thought on that. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with the predictability element of it. And I, I do think that when the way Brentford set up to frustrate the attack meant that you were potentially hoping a player outside of the traditional, traditional set might contribute at a, at a higher level. I just think my, my thought would have been that you would have seen maybe a little more from Gallagher, a little more from Palmer in the positions that they were potentially getting in. And even Sterling, I mean, Sterling to have, you know, two total shots over the entire game, one in that first half felt really interesting, um, Brandon. But I mean, 
in general, like it, it ties to what Pochettino said, like post match, that like this is just about the the fact that we're not clinical with the shots that we're taking, and even if we have a ton of volume, if the shots aren't good shots, like you're also not setting yourself up to be the beneficiary of a deflection, an angle, um, a rebound that goes in the right way. That you're hoping for a little bit of that luck in addition to the shot being of a, of a higher quality. We've got the shots. Right. The volume is there kind of to everyone's point. We're just really poor. We're in the bottom five of shots on target percentage. We're at 30 percent at the top of the tables. Newcastle, 42 percent at the bottom is Luton Town at 16.8 percent. They will never score again unless it's a penalty. Uh, but United I mean, they are score this weekend. Uh, right. I know. Point stands. <laughs> United are below us, barely. Liverpool are second from the bottom. Isn't that fascinating that they take so many shots, but like so few are on target, they clearly are playing a volume game where they are just going to overwhelm teams with shots from everywhere, and clearly they're doing a good job. I would have assumed that they were clinical, but you know that's just really not the way it is. Um, they've got 18 goals off of it, though. We're sitting at 12 goals right now. Our ability where it all breaks down is also like shot created department. Like we actually lead the league in per, like take ons and Raheem Sterling's had a couple of fantastic games. Mudrick as well. They're stacking that. But like once we get into the final third, we had a good run of Raheem making some good decisions. No missed that yesterday. Yeah. Eco Jackson, not really providing anything. It the players that you want, it's just back to the roller coaster. Oh, Nico Jackson has a game, now he's quiet. Oh, Raheem Sterling has two great games, and now he's quiet. The inability for like the consistency to be there, or if hey, Sterling can have a quiet game, that's fine. But like we need someone else to fill the gap and stuff up. And to Dan, to your point, if it's Cole Palmer or it's you know, Connor Gallagher, who I think, you know, I would put more responsibility on Cole because Connor's doing a lot more of the extra uh, curricular activities in the midfield thing. So Cole doesn't have to, but like we need some ability to, to score goals. And I saw a tweet out there, you know, Nico Jackson really isn't that guy yet. He needs time to adapt and develop. So then my question is whether it's to the club or to Potch, Nick is what was the plan? Was the plan all in Kunku? Was it all on his shoulders to say that he's the missing piece? Because the squad that we have assembled is sorely lacking in goals. And I think if I were to Monday morning quarterback this, was did we really need lobby? Or could we put another $60 million into another attacking player? But Cole did come in at the last day of the window. Looks promising. Maybe just still need some time. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that was their plan, and it got unfoiled in the last preseason game. Um, and again, it, it begs, you know, you, you can kind of like go all the way back in time and <laughs> think about all this sort of stuff, right? Why are you playing him on a terrible pitch in Chicago when you know he's going to be your goal scorer this year? You know, I think that's a phenomenal question to ask somebody. Regardless, we should be able to score goals against Brentford. Um, we should be able to score goals, period. Like, I go back to the the one chance that really, really bothered me yesterday that we missed was not the Kukurea chance. It was with Sterling in acres of space on the right, puts it 40 yards over the goal as if he had never shot at goal before, which we know, of course, is not the case. Why? He, he's been good recently. Why do you lose that much confidence? Goalkeepers kind of near post. All you have to do is slot at far post and you have a goal. Like it, it's it's stuff like that that really baffles me. Just like the the panic like in front of goals. The only way I can describe it, Dan, that the team just gets so angsty in front of goal because they're they're so desperate for stuff to happen that they blaze it forty yards over. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the desperation or it's more the the frustration or feeling as if there's not necessarily an outlet there there's not necessarily the person to pass to there's not a confidence player who's going to take the volume of shots like when you have so many players who are willing to lay it up or tee it up to the next individual to the next individual like we have someone in Cole Palmer who is very happy to step up and be the person to be accountable and take the penalties which is great I'm glad we have someone on our team who is uh confident 
and taking penalties and taking charge on penalties. But the fact that we don't have that individual who says like, Hey, I'm going to be the person who is going to be the scorer who is going to help bring the team forward. And I'm going to be accountable to that is a problem for Poch. It's a problem for the team and it's a problem for the, the results that we we've run into. Like, even though we have some good underlying stats, like the, the challenge of not having a player who can execute like that, I think is why we see so many articles still, so many conversations with Naz or Matt or others about Chelsea not ruling out going after a striker in January because goals still continue to be the problem, Brandon, for this team. So I want to give a... Because I think a lot of times we really, really focus on the end result, which I absolutely am leading that charge right now. I'm so annoyed that like we lost 2 nothing to JV Brentford who don't have their star man, Tony, and we just like played into their hand. And I know a couple things are forced. We'll talk on that in the next situation. But gentlemen, the thing that we have, it should be an exciting team, right? We have the most progressive distance passes and the most take-ons in the league, right? We are more progressive than any other team in the league in terms of the style that we play. Now, I will absolutely say yesterday probably curved those numbers. But from even like a short and a medium pass area, you think of like Taka or other teams that high possess, we have the most short completions and attempts and the most medium, and we're the third in medium completions and second in the attempts. Even long, we're the most completed. Like Chelsea own games. We dominate short, medium passes mean we are controlling where the ball is going, just hoofing it and running after it. We have... Uh, a fantastic G that says, hey, if the team were clicking, we would be a lot better, right? We're, we're in the top five on that standpoint. 18.2 knocking on the door. Certainly Brentford's at 19, so there's some fun perspective. But, like, this is a fun team the way we are set up. We are progressive. We are no Jorginho passing sideways and backwards for fun. This team looks to go forward, but we are woeful when it comes to that that final action, that final pass. And that's what's really letting us down this season. But I think if you were to take, strip that away, the potch isn't the problem. And we're seeing that nonsense again, the potch talk. I, You're missing it. Look at the numbers. Look at the style. Oh, the eye test. People, people are swinging in a miss on this. A couple tweaks, a couple people healthy consistently. Maybe one upgrade in January. This this is a different team. We are flying. I, I mean, if I if I could though, like I think, I think there was some naivete and in what we did yesterday. Um, we knew what Brentford was going to do, right? Low block, hit and hope, right? That that's their style. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that style. This is not me chastising that style. Chelsea have won plenty of games in our history playing that style of football. Um, but you, you knew what it was going to be. Brentford weren't going to come out and ticky taka and bring it forward. But if you think of the way that we've played over the last five weeks and how much better we've looked when we've had 50% of the possession instead of 70% of the possession, right? My, my point online after this, although Kira Doyle tried to slap me down immediately for saying such a bold thing was make them come out, make them have the ball a little bit more, Right. And the only reason I say this is just, of course, they are really good at getting back and keeping their shape. There can be no denying that. I'm not saying that them having the ball is going to automatically make their whole defense fall apart or anything like that. Of course not. But if they are made to play with the ball and Chelsea are able to sit back and you win the battle in the midfield instead of right in front of their 18-yard box where they already have the wall set up, perhaps there's going to be more space for your players to play within. Um, instead of entering the, you know, forest of tall trees. So th this is my my point is when Chelsea have played teams that want the ball, we look a lot better. We look like we're able to counter very quickly, pass the ball more effectively, have a lot more room in the final third. We still have not figured out how to play teams like this to effectively unlock teams like this. And I think that is a little naive from Poch to go out there and try and have 78% possession and think that that's going to win you the game. Additionally, our set pieces are fucking woeful. You cannot, cannot, cannot 
have a set piece where Robert Sanchez comes up and not have a single person able to receive the ball and head it towards frame or head it out so that he can get back. And additionally, you sh- you have to have one person <laughs> back to stop their inevitable counterattack. Like these are very, very basic principles that I'm saying out loud right now. They might not make sense to anyone. You might not agree with any of them and that is totally fine. But that is, if I had a criticism of yesterday's game plan, it's that. I I would say on the possession, like Podge didn't get to dictate that he wanted that much. Brentford gave it to us. But your point, Nick, were we prepared knowing that we probably were going to have a controlling amount of possession? They were going to be deep. What was that game plan? The last, I guess, from me, Dan, is, hey, this is a chance for Nadawake. He was inches away from being the hero, rattled the crossbar. After that, absent. And that sucks. Sure. We've seen some bright flashes. He's had some injury issues, some things like that. I think his stock in a lot of people's eyes yesterday dropped a lot. And they're like, I actually have don't know if he's at the level we need him to be. He was given a run out. He was given a ton of minutes. And can it- I counter that, please? He He was on the field for 66 minutes. Is that right? Something like that. Did, did he do anything dramatically bad in that time? I, I mean, did he do bad versus what did he do, like, create and present? I mean, he consistently kind of, like, lost possession, didn't deliver an, an attack, like, defensively was non, not, not really we, involved. We know that is a weakness in this game, is defensively. There is no doubt about it. But, like, he was better than Sterling in the time that he was on the field. <laughs> Did he do enough to show that he's a Chelsea-level player or we gamble coming from the, the Dutch league, or does he need a lot more time to develop? I think the question is, is he Chelsea or he need a lot more time? And I think people after yesterday go, he's maybe a lot more further away than we initially thought. I, I don't agree with that statement. I mean, I think, one, we're going to be forced to play him quite a bit this year because no one can stay healthy. And two, I think there was a lot in his take on game that there, you know, if you're looking at the film again, there's a lot to like. I agree with anyone who's like, yeah, he's he's a liability defensively. He simply just doesn't have the switch in his brain to go, I have to get back at this moment because of the counterattack. And that's exactly what Brentford want to do is they want to exploit some of those holes. But he is hardly the only player on the team that missed that switch yesterday. Um, so I, that to me is is a, it's a weird thing to judge a player who's had three appearances this year and go, I don't know if he's at the level. Well, I think you would argue, if you're trying to say is he at the level, the fact that he is seemingly last in, when it comes to Pochettino's, like, who would I play in attack behind Sterling, behind Palmer, behind when Nkunku comes back healthy? Like, he clearly is, I would say, last amongst that grouping. You know, so I think that is a concern um, that it took this many injuries for him to, to get in. Uh, I do think... To your point, though, to judge him off of like less frequent runs when you've seen more Sterling this season, more Palmer this season, who again continued to look uh, bright <laughs> um, as like one one silver lining in all of this is that like that seems to have been a really good acquisition or player acquisition this summer. Um, is that it? I do think it's there's a little bit of a continued curve or wait and see on Matawake. I also didn't like the entire right-hand side play, and I think that was a Disasi and Matawake type of situation and not just Matawake by himself. I think that whole right-hand side was pretty aberrant in terms of their like ability to maintain possession and, and be combative within this match relative to the left-hand side. Well, like I said, I mean... A day where we needed him and, and others to show up, like they they were gaps in the team, and we have to figure this out. Like this is a hard time. It's Brentford. We sh- we should be able to go to the bench, draw him some people, ask them to to step up and deliver. Of course, not all on his shoulders. He was the new name to the team sheet, so I think that's why a lot of people are talking about him because we haven't seen a lot of him. It, it's an interesting point though on the DSC point, Dan, because like I think. The, the obvious advantage you get with DSC playing right back, and I don't think he did anything, like, catastrophically wrong yesterday. I, I don't think yeah, – I think he switched off for the pinnacle goal, and, you know, so maybe that is catastrophically wrong. I don't know. But, like, I thought he was okay. 
in that position. But as the game was wearing on, I was really surprised that Melo Gusto didn't start yesterday. Um, largely because if you're going to have as much possession as we had with the ball, you would hope that you would have an overlapping runner, you know, able to switch positions and all that sort of stuff. Perhaps Poch thought that it was going to be too tactic- tactically naive on the counterattack, but Gusto's also a lot faster than Dizasi getting back. And I thought that that was a, an interesting choice. I mean, Reese is clearly not fit at all. I think that's something we, we can say out loud for a long period of time now, but like it was an interesting personnel choice to, to play with him at right back and not you know, Gusto or someone who's a little bit more agile. Well, I, I like that point. I do want to pause because I think that'll take us into kind of the next step of, of the lineup and the personnel, a lot of changes. Um, so I'm going to hit timeout. We're going to take a last break when we get back all into lineup and personnel decisions. So thank you to sponsors. And we'll be right back. All right, Dan, I know I cut you off. All right, so I'm going to bring it back to you. To, to follow up on Nick's point, he was saying, Dissassi, hey, did probably as much as you could expect from a center back playing right back, uh, him coming off injury. It seemed like for Potch, it was he chose Cucurella to play left back over yep. Malaguso to play right back because either Dissassi plays right back or Colwell plays left back. You just shift the line. Cucurella's probably been in decent run of form, so he rewarded him, but I can't imagine what Gusto's really done to to not warrant time either. Potch needed height. This is where we landed. That's the end outcome of it, is that, hey, I don't want to go into a set piece and not have at least a couple of tall bodies on the pitch. I think that when Sam and I were talking about it in the preview, we thought it might be the DeSauce comes back into the center back pairing. Levi Colwell goes to the left and Gusto stays on the right. Um, I, I Maybe he thought, oh, well, I, I don't want Matawake to get caught out, and so I'll put a more natural defender there versus, um, versus Gusto or something of that nature, or potentially... Um, if I put Kukurea out there, like that maybe was the the question, but it just, I, I do like the idea of us getting to nailed on center back pairings. And as much as it's great to see Levi Colwell as a partner in that center back pairing, I mean, it, you got to think at some point, you know, over the next couple of matches, particularly with the Blackburn Rovers match coming up here that we might see Betty Ashiel, we might see a non Tiago Silva style pairing, even though I would say he, had a much better game relative to other defenders in this match. And so uh, we're not counting him out necessarily, Nick. It's just saying that rotationally, like he needs a break occasionally. Um, And that would be the kind of question is like, how does this back line makeup work when you want to get players in who have height, have speed, can assist appropriately. We know we saw Reese James come in for another cameo appearance, so he's getting back into fitness, getting back ready to be a starter. I don't think he starts against Blackburn. I think he is getting ready to start against Spurs. And so that would be the, I guess, evolution of the next couple of matches is that we see Reese James get another cameo with the hopes of potentially starting in, you know, the next weekend's match. I don't. I don't think he's gonna start against Spurs. I think that would be a huge risk to be to be candid. Like his cameos have been like ten and fifteen minutes. Like, that's hardly prep for a a ninety minute start to me. And I, you know, I, I'm just I am so worried about him and his hamstrings, man. I, I just it makes me really nervous to even think about him playing a full match right now. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're able to get a, a, mid, or a center back pairing of DeSauci and Batty Shield in for the Blackburn game, which I think would be a really solid center back pairing, you know, give Colwell maybe some time off, give Chago Silva some time off. You're able to maybe get away with Monson at left back, although, ugh, you know, that didn't really go super well uh, yesterday. Um, much better kind of further up the field. And, you know, you play Gusto at, at right back. I think that's a really solid back four for, um, you know, for the Blackburn game. I think it gets, you know, the proper rotation in um, and, and maybe helps us, you know, see something a little bit different. I am very excited for the return of Batty Shield because I think in the moments, Brandon, we saw him last year, he looked very classy, looked composed, and obviously gives you another uh, tall body in there to defend against set pieces, um, really good in the air. So, you know, I, I would be, I'd be down with that. Look, if I could pull it off, I would try to convince my wife that Benoit is a great name for our child, but we can't. <laughs> sure. Batty a shield, Ken. 
right? And that's why we are excited about him. Um, can I be like really frustrated for a moment? Enzo and Mudrik picked up muscle injuries the day before a match. How? Why? I have problems. In a Chelsea-controlled environment, the day before a game, you're going through set pieces, like some shadow play. How do they pick up a knock the day before? At first, I was like, oh, Enzo just had a kid. Maybe he's going to be with his wife at the hospital. Maybe, you know, the complications or whatever. No, it's muscular. So now, like him, it's like we're going to add him to this rotation as well. You talk about someone who's creative, ball retention, can switch the play, uh, change the tempo of a match. He would have been helpful yesterday. Then you go to Mudrik, which uh, I'm thinking, mm, he's probably doing those midnight workouts again, two nights before the game. Like I could see him being an overwork. How do we constantly put our players in a position to get little knocks and things like this in a recovery program and have setbacks. I know it's not impossible. My problem is the frequency of which this is happening now yeah. is driving me crazy. Our bench had two goalkeepers, Alex Matos and, um, and David Washington, who the latter two were supposed to go and play with the, I think the 18s against Spurs who lost three to four. My point is our bench was gutted. I went back and looked at our Arsenal bench, some of our other benches. We had firepower. Nothing, because again, we can't control what happens at Cobham. I'm confused. I thought Poch was coming with the team. Jesus Perez is there. Seb Pochettino is there. They've got it figured out. They're, I, I'm at a loss. I'm at an absolute loss right now because this is happening at Cobham where we control everything. <laughs> I mean, in addition to that, I mean, it, it just does seem like the frequency of these sorts of little injuries with us is larger than any other team out there. Of course, we're hyper-focused on one team and not the entire league, but it just seems like every press conference, there's something new out there that we don't know about. And it's like, oh, now Mudrik and Enzo are out. And I think, to, to your point, Enzo's miss yesterday was massive you know, the creativity and the passing different passing styles all that sort of stuff but i would say this too like if we're talking about lineup decisions and the options that we had we looked really good with the false nine against arsenal you know kind of of course we had enzo to flex into midfield so connor connor gallagher was was not able to kind of play in that forward role but like i love it that you keep calling him conniger i'm not clicking man. it every time you say yeah. it, we're clipping it um, but you know, I actually, I really kind of liked the passing movements that we had, uh, you know, with that false nine. I'm, I'm curious as to why we didn't kind of go back to that approach for this one, especially if we knew that their low block was going to be there. Maybe that provides a different look and they don't have, you know, kind of one single person to focus on as a striker and it becomes a little bit more unpredictable. Uh, I don't know, but that was really interesting to me because it's not like Nico's been on a tear of scoring goals recently. So, who who was the the person who comes in for Nico Jackson if you push him to the bench? That's yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the problem, right? Because Connor was was kind of that like flex player. So I don't know if that's someone like Ian Matson kind of up front starting the game, which would have been a bold call. But that to me would have been really interesting. Or you kind of double up and play. Gusto up there and, and maybe have Matawake flex into that more forward role. Because uh, it essentially was a 4-4-2 four, four, last week. That was kind of how mm -hmm. it was all structured. Um, but obviously Palmer was dropping deep, receiving the ball in different areas and just causing chaos. And so I don't know if that would have worked or not. But Yeah, maybe Leslie too, right? Leslie yeah. goes in, you push Connor up. Have more of a destroyer in midfield. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, Dan, kind of revolving around this and, and just, you kind of, we look at a lot of the, the action maps and the heat maps and just trying to, to, to put all the pieces together. Um, Cole Palmer, he stepped in and said, I'm going to go get the ball and lead the attack. I'm going to be the engine in this team. And I think we saw a lot of the stats and the things, what he has done is a is a 21 and almost a half year old coming from man city with limited minutes 
he looks like he is ready to shoulder a level of responsibility that you wouldn't expect from a, a player with his lack of experience and age. But yesterday, he showed that he refuses to be the reason we lose and was the engine that a lot of times I think we are missing in terms of controlling the attack and being the catalyst. Yeah, it might undermine part of the point that we made earlier about like Matawake being a younger player and like needing to to get on and be involved and needing like, you know, time and duration to be a part of it because the acclimatization that Palmer's had in this side in different roles, whether he's playing on the wing, playing more centrally, that he is finding ways to contribute. You know, when you look at who you know, we talked about XG, but there's also XA, so expected assists, right? Like who potentially would, you know, have set up an assist based upon the pass that they put in front of somebody else's uh, feet. Like Cole Palmer is leading the team in in that metric at the moment, or in this match at least, um, by a, a very large margin. It was 0.66 for him, and then the next closest person was Reese James with his tiny cameo at 0.11. So Cole Palmer is... A strong contributor. He is a, I think, guaranteed name on the team sheet. And I think some of it is forced, but as players come back healthy, as Pochettino hopefully has more and more choices available to him as it relates to the starting lineup, it, it feels like Palmer is one of the guaranteed names at the moment. And I wouldn't say that about most of the people in our attacking setup. Um, as uh, Broya comes back healthy, as Nkunku comes back healthy, that uh, there'll be others who are less likely to be guaranteed a start, but Palmer's performances are, are earning him that. He has been central, positive. I'm really impressed. Um, it's just, again, I think that the level that he stepped up there's a lot of things are still missing and we need to, but you think about like the ball he had to Cugrella, um, the fact that he would drop to the center backs, go get the ball, turn and move it up the pitch. He wasn't playing a position. He was really embodying this role within the team and to not have Enzo, to not have Reese James, to not have a lot of your typical leaders in attack and, and, and Raheem wasn't normal Raheem. I thought he was phenomenal and, um, you know, in, in just filling that void, I guess, is what I would say. So um, another little comparison, right or wrong, Noni Matawake, 30 million uh, pounds. Uh, Cole Palmer is, uh, you know, 35 million. So that just gives you a price comparison between the two. Not that that's the only thing that matters, but Cole, I think right now is probably going to be young player of the year, probably surprise of the season. And if he continues in this form, uh, it'll end up being just an, an immense amount of business. And um, who who picked him out again? I forgot. Who's the guy who was at City before Shields. in our scouting department? Yeah. Joe Shields. Yeah, Shields. So, um, you know, if we ever see Romeo Lavio, he gets healthy. Uh, he might be picking out gems for us. But uh, Cole Palmer's great. And I think he, he deserved a, a lot of time. He's probably our most effective player right now. Like across the pitch I'm, I'm struggling maybe Caicedo but like I'm really struggling to think of another player who is more effective at their job than what Cole Palmer's doing in attack and to be that young to have that much responsibility for for the entire attack on your shoulders I mean god forbid he gets hurt <sighs> I mean he he is everything that is decent with our attack right now um, it's a phenomenal piece of business if he keeps growing. For sure. For sure. Uh, he was lively. He has, has had a great heat map in terms of the guy likes to run. He's fit. He's young. He's ready to rock. Uh, all right. Anything else that we want to touch on in this match? Uh, we, we did talk a little bit real quick for the pot about Sanchez. Seems like he bounced back. Didn't have a lot to do. Credit for coming out and making that huge one-on-one -on -one save with his body uh, towards the end there. And uh, Dan... I think this is the nicest thing you've ever said about a goalkeeper. He's an, a freak athlete. He almost chased down uh, Mope and that two-on-nothing attack, counterattack at the very, very end. I Look, it, it didn't make the cutting room floor of the podcast because I'm it bringing was before it back. we started recording. But I will admit to the fact that he 
shockingly was the only player to make it back fully to try to do anything and at least as we pointed out in that conversation did not do so much or did not overplay his hand in uh, potentially put himself in a situation where he earns a red card because that would have been the worst possible ending to this match if he not only got back but uh forced a a red card incident that would have been pretty terrible like the game was already lost like don't Mm -hmm. don't do this stupid thing yeah, no, 100%. Anything else that you want to pluck out of this? No, I'm ready. I'm ready to move forward to Blackburn and advancing in the cup. That That is what I would like to do next. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. Interesting. What about you, Nick? Anything else from this one? Uh, I There was some talk about the bridge being really flat. You know, some people left right at the very end, which I can empathize with, by the way. But it was an interesting contrast with Clayton last week talking about how roaring and rocking the bridge was. Um, it just kind of shows how flat this match really was. Brentford have to be thrilled how they took the air out of this one. Yeah, I mean, they, they executed their plan perfectly. Uh, credit to them. Uh, they they really did a number on us. And Pochettino, I think, will learn from this match. I hope he learns from this match. This is not the last time we're going to see a Brentford-like team in the league. In fact, we know based on our performances last year where we had a bunch of the ball and did nothing with it, that we're likely to do this a lot more than we are to play the Arsenals and Liverpools and kind of teams that really want to compete with us. You know, luckily I think Spurs are one of those teams. So maybe we see a bounce back. If we have a good midweek result, maybe we can bounce back and be competitive against Spurs and take some points off of them. But uh, this was brutal and it was ugly and the team needs to be a lot better than than what they showed. I'm going to say something, but I'm going to caveat that I'm not trying to be polarizing in any way. Our form at home has been atrocious. It might be good that we've got three successive road matches after the EFL Cup match against Blackburn. Maybe we do need a little bit of time on the road where we can be the underdog and sit back and kind of build up that confidence before we invite Brighton uh, back to the bridge at the beginning of December. Uh, So anyways, some of the other results around the Premier League, in case you've uh, been paying attention, interesting weekend so far as we record on Sunday. Arsenal uh, just taking the piss against Sheffield United, 5-0. Bournemouth 2, Burnley 1. Battle of the Bads right there. Wolves 2, Newcastle 2. Apparently Newcastle struggling to manage uh, European schedule midweek and then come back to to do the business. Tenali, wow. The allegations suspended. And allegedly, Dan, he put a bet. Allegedly, that that uh, Eddie Howe was going to be one of the first managers sacked this Premier League season. If true, what in the world? My, my man is going bad money after bad money, that's for sure. That is that is a bad bet on your own guy to get sacked. Man, Newcastle uh, looking to sue AC Milan because apparently they think that uh, Newcastle thinks Milan knew about this and that's why they were looking to offload him uh, ahead of any kind of suspension. It would be hard to believe that, th- that they didn't know anything. <laughs> He I said, mean, he said he bet while at AC Milan, but it was ne- it was only when he was out, not in any match he played in. <laughs> like, wait, good, good, cover your ass story. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we, we said this in our in our in our WhatsApp chat with a bunch of folks. Like, he he clearly needs help. Like, and, and gambling is an addiction, just like there are other addictions in this world. I hope he does get the help that he needs because you know it can be a destructive part of your life especially if you if you can't stop Uh, that's why every betting ad has 1-800 get help attached to it Um, but he is also going to pay the price for the Ivan Tony tax that was just levied against Brentford and the suspension that was just there and you just hope that the I mean 10 months is a long 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 time for a footballer to be out especially a footballer in his prime in his prime I should say you just hope that this sort of action, this betting behavior amongst players, especially in games that they're playing in or teams that they are a part of, is is just kind of nipped in the bud because it's it's a really, really bad look. I mean, if you've as much as I dislike the referees, if it came out that Anthony Taylor was betting against Chelsea in every game that he refereed, you would feel we already feel aggrieved by his terrible performances, but you would feel like you've been completely and utterly cheated. 
right? So imagine if you're a Newcastle fan and he bet against you in a really important Champions League game. Like it you, opens up the question. You would feel robbed, right? Yeah. As a as a fan, as a person who's I mean, we spent a lot of money to watch Chelsea play over the years. There are a bunch of fans who spend a ton of money traveling home in a way to go see matches every week. Like it it's just it calls into question the you know, security of the sport that we love. And I hope that there's not more of these episodes. Well, and obviously he's not doing it for the money. May, you know, lives a very comfortable lifestyle. It's clearly just for the um, the thrill of it as well. To your point, he's addicted to chasing these, these results and things. So uh, anyways, Newcastle, uh, a lot going on with them in-house that is not pretty. Everton won West Ham nil. What in the world? West Ham had a great start to the season, completely have fallen off. Everton won, uh, getting the goal over them. Dan, I, I woke up to this this morning and said, what in the frosty Minnesota hell is going on? <laughs> the frosty Minnesota hell. Um, look, Everton finding themselves in a place to be less concerned than Luton, Burnley, Sheffield, or Bournemouth about where they're at in the table. Yeah, you know, Everton need it for a potential points deduction for their few crimes being audited and Manchester City's many crimes going unpunished. So, uh, you know, Everton are trying to make sure that they can avoid an automatic drop, I guess. Well, they have uh, saved themselves for one week. Liverpool three, Nottingham Force nil. Uh, Brighton won, Fulham won, getting the equalizer uh, towards the end there. And then Villa continuing to be one of the hottest teams in the league. Three, Luton Town, uh, relegation town, one. I've triple fantasied Aston Villa, Dan. You're in? You're all in? I Three. Them and Spurs. Well, not anymore with Spurs. That's wild. Villa are, I mean, I don't want to talk to Matt Law about it, Nick, but like, Villa are not knocking around. Some. They're undefeated, won four of the last five in fifth place on 22 points. Like, <laughs> they're within four points of first right now. They have 10 more points than we do. I'd say that. I mean, that's a real shame. I mean, you thought those numbers were ticking up after the last five weeks, and Chelsea still only have 12 points with a plus two goal diff after 10 games. That's, that's uh, not very good. So. Nah, not at all. Pretty ugly. Uh, the last match going on right now, uh, United and City in uh, the Manchester Derby. City up 2-0. You assume they're probably going to lock it out 15 minutes left, but um, that would change the table because this, uh, well, well, we'll go at Tottenham in first on 26 points, Arsenal second on 24 points, City, as the result stands, 2 nothing in third on 24 points, Liverpool fourth, 23rd or 23 points. So that is your top four right now. Villa five, Newcastle six, rounding it out. Chelsea, we're in 11th place, right? Just hovering around that mid table, not really making any progress. How, do you know how many wins we have at a glance, Nick? I don't know if Dan put the table back in, but. Two? Three. Three. Doesn't that feel terrible? Like just it hearing that number? It's, yeah. It sounds horrific. The, the real issue that you have, though, is that every week that you don't win, the gap between 10th, 11th, and 6th and 7th gets bigger, right? So it's 12 to 17 points right now to kind of match where Newcastle is on 17 points and where Brighton is on 17 points. That gap becomes 10 points or 12 points. I mean, it's just you're mathematically just eliminating yourself from any sort of European football next year. Well, it's the, the points per game needs to increase every time you don't score you know you don't make up ground right you have to make up ground at some point and you had the best opportunity to give yourself the cushion for the hardest part of the season which is what chelsea's about to enter between now and the end of the year and you're capped you can only get three points and your opponents can also get said points so it uh is pretty tough uh three three win teams brentford wolves crystal palace fulham everton that is not the company i would want to ever associate chelsea with uh, we talked about how one match a week, Dan, was going to be our savior this season. And here we are not even being able to maximize one match a week, not a season. That would be tough. Well, to be to be fair, we, we have migrated to the two matches a week uh, element now with the cup. And in December, you know, we have basically a match every three to four days, given the the confines of the calendar. So no, no more one game a week. Surprise! Merry Christmas! Happy holidays! 
Yeah. No. After the after the the final international break for the year, uh, we were looking at the podcast calendar. Shit gets real intense real quick. <laughs> so if you've enjoyed the nice, oh, get six or seven days between matches, that uh, that's coming to an abrupt stop uh, after a international break near you. Well, um, yeah. Ta- that's the table. That's the results from around the league. That's where Chelsea stand. Another one in the books, as Nick said, uh, you'll be hearing from us uh, after Blackburn, uh, the midweek match review. So um, looking ahead to that. Plenty more content coming at you, as always. Uh, check it out on the YouTubes if you want to see how uh, surprised I looked when some of the things were said. There, there's some interesting reactions, I think, when because, you know, this isn't like scripted. So Nick will say something and Dan and I will go, huh, what? <laughs> oh, what? Uh, there's some good fun in there. But anyways, Chelsea fans, um, you got a you got a few days to recover. Blackburn in the league. Start to uh, chalk up who you think the big lineup changes are going to be. Uh, will they rotate a lot? Will they not? How Do we important have the is option this? to rotate any players whatsoever? That's a, a wonderful question. Exactly. With our limited, is George Petrovic going to feature? That's probably the biggest one at this point uh, from there. Batty Shield. I want to see Batty Shield badly. Would love to see him as well. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Hope you've enjoyed it. Stick with us uh, through the ups and downs of the season. We got your back every single week after every single match. You know that. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.